Hello, and thank you for downloading this programme from Starry Decisis Radio. My name is Mark Tottenham, and in this programme, I'm going to discuss two cases where people had broken terms of a contract. The provisions in each contract had harsh consequences for the people in default. The court had to decide whether the consequences were legitimate compensation for the injured party, or did they amount to punishments for the people who were in default of the contract? If they were punishments, did they breach the penalty rule, which might have invalidated them? The name of the case is Cavendish Square Holding BV versus Talal El Makdesi, and the citation is 2015 UK SC 67. In the first case, the defendant had sold his holding in a company to a company called Cavendish Square Holding. The purchase price was to be paid in a series of payments, and the contract also contained a restraint of trade clause, which was designed to prevent the vendor for two years from engaging in the provision of goods or services that might compete with the interests of the company being sold. If he was in breach of that rule, he would be designated a defaulting shareholder and would not be entitled to any further payments of purchase money. In fact, Mr. McDessie had provided to continue consultancy services to another company that he had agreed to sell separately, and he was engaged in setting up other companies that were deemed to be in competition with the company being sold. The purchaser invoked the clause and refused any further payments of purchase money. In the second case, which is very different, a man called Mr. Beavis parked his car in a private car park for nearly three hours. A sign at the entrance to the car park stated that a user could park there for two hours only, and it further said that if a user breached the terms and conditions of the car park, he would be liable for a payment of £85. He subsequently received a letter saying that he was liable for £85, but that this would be reduced to £50 if he paid within two weeks. He ignored the letter and he was pursued for the £85 in the county court. In each case, the question before the court was whether the clauses were in breach of the penalty rule. There was also a question as to whether the parking charge was in breach of consumer legislation. The lead judgment in the case was delivered jointly by Lord Neuberger and Lord Sumption. They expanded at length on the history and justification for the penalty rule. In essence, they said, a clause providing for a breach of contract was entitled to compensate the injured party for the breach, but it could not go further and punish the defaulter. They said as follows, open quotation, The true test is whether the impugned provision is a secondary obligation, which imposes a detriment on the contract breaker out of all proportion to any legitimate interest of the innocent party in the enforcement of the primary obligation. The innocent party can have no proper interest in simply punishing the defaulter. His interest is in performance, or in some appropriate alternative to performance. In the case of a straightforward damages clause, that interest will rarely extend beyond compensation for the breach. End of quotation. So in each case, they had to decide whether the consequences for the breach were so exorbitant or unconscionable that they amounted to a punishment for the defaulter rather than simply compensation for the injured party. In the first case, they held that the purchaser of the company had a legitimate interest in restraining the involvement of the seller in rival companies. Therefore, the withholding of purchase money was not in breach of the penalty rule. Open quotation. Although the clause has no relationship, even approximate, with the measure of loss attributable to the breach, Cavendish had a legitimate interest in the observance of the restrictive covenants, which extended beyond the recovery of that loss. It had an interest in measuring the price of the business to its value. 
The goodwill of this business was critical to its value to Cavendish, and the loyalty of Mr. McDessie and Mr. Gossob, who was his business partner, was critical to the goodwill. The fact that some breaches of the restrictive covenants would cause very little in the way of recoverable loss to Cavendish is therefore beside the point. Once Cavendish could no longer trust the sellers to observe the restrictive covenants, the wolf was in the fold. End of quotation. Accordingly, they held that the withholding of the purchase money and another clause requiring the defendant to sell his remaining shares were not in breach of the penalty rule. In the other case concerning the car park, they had to determine whether the £85 charge for breach of terms of an otherwise free car park was a punishment. They said as follows, open quotation. It can be seen that the £85 charge had two main objects. One was to manage the efficient use of the parking space in the interests of the retail outlets and of the users of those outlets who wish to find spaces in which to park their cars. This was to be achieved by deterring commuters or other long-stay motorists from occupying parking spaces for long periods, or engaging in other inconsiderate parking practices, thereby reducing the space available to other members of the public, in particular the customers of the retail outlets. The other purpose was to provide an income stream to enable Parking Eye to meet the costs of operating the scheme and make a profit from its services, without which those services would not be available. These two objectives appear to us to be perfectly reasonable in themselves. Another of other judgments were delivered, almost all in support of the lead judgment. Lord Hodge considered the implications of the case for Scottish law, which takes a somewhat different approach to penalty clauses. Lord Toulson dissented in relation to the parking case. He approached the issue from the view of a standard form contract and whether the customer would have agreed to the conditions imposed. He said as follows, open quotation, I return to the point that it was for Parking Eye to show the factual grounds on which it could reasonably assume that a customer using that car park would have agreed in individual negotiations to pay £85 if he overstayed for a minute, or parked with his wheels not entirely within a marked bay, or for whatever reason returned to the car park in less than one hour, open brackets, perhaps because he had left something behind, close brackets. On the bare information which was placed before the court, I am not persuaded that Parking Eye has shown grounds for assuming that a party who was in a position to bargain individually and who was advised by a competent lawyer would have agreed to the penalty clause as it stood. End of quotation. However, Lord Tulson was, was a single dissent in an otherwise unanimous court. In this case, both cases were, were found not to be in breach of the penalty rule and the court dismissed the appeals from the Court of Appeal. Thank you very much for listening to this programme from Starry Decisis Radio. If you have any questions or comments, please see our Facebook page or our Twitter account. And if you enjoyed this programme, please tell your friends and colleagues about Starry Decisis Radio. Goodbye.